Welcome to Passion Fruits, a passion project for passionate people. I'm your desert lime, Daniel. Well done, Daniel. (laughs) I am Adam, your terrific tangerine. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) One day we'll go go into the episode without (laughs) Adam critiquing my fruit uh, choice, good or bad. That's our shtick, Daniel. That is our shtick. I missed that note in the outline. Goodness gracious. Continue the (laughs) shtick. So, Daniel, um, what, what do we do on this podcast? Well, Adam, we on Passion Fruits Podcast discuss subjects that we are passionate about, subjects our guests are passionate about, to try and figure out how someone goes from a casual fan to a fanatic. We've had many great guests and many great subjects, and we are going to continue that trend today by talking about The Office. Uh, Adam, would you like to introduce our guest? Of course. Today, we are absolutely thrilled to have on Harsh. Uh, Harsh, would you like to uh, introduce yourself and with your appropriate fruit? Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Harsh, and I'm a cheerful Chiku. I believe <laughs> neither of you would probably recognize that fruit because uh, I've never found it in the U.S. for like the past decade. I grew up with it in India, but suddenly like in Cary, North Carolina, uh, this past month, I, I found it and I had it after like a decade. And uh, I thought uh, I'd, I'd introduce myself and uh, promote the fruit itself too. Uh, <laughs> this is, you're, you're not, a, you're, you're a member of the Chiku, uh, uh, Chiku Trade Commission trying to increase uh, <laughs> right. impo- importation of the Chiku fruit Correct. into the US. May, may or may not be getting paid by them, but <laughs> right. uh, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> but, but no, I, I am an office um, fanatic. Um, Actually, Adam introduced me to The Office, and ever since then, I've watched it at least four times. And then uh, oh, wow. every once in a while, I just go back and just watch my favorite episodes from there onwards. But nice. maybe in a couple of years when I forget it, then I might just uh, start all over again. But yeah, I'd like to call myself a fanatic. Before we go any further, it would be a gross oversight if we didn't mention that the company that brings Chiku into the U.S. would be Chiku. Chiquita, like Chiquita, <laughs> damn it, or something. There. Let me go. Let me go back to it, <laughs> sir. I'm writing notes furiously. Listen to me writing notes. <laughs> scratch, scratch. But yeah, let's hop into uh, Passion Fruitspedia and kind of talk about what the office actually is. Harsh, Adam, would anybody like to just kind of start it off with the Passion Fruitspedia? Sure. Um, I'll kick us off, if you will. Hell so, yeah. uh, as we so lovingly plagiarize from Wikipedia, uh, The Office is an American mockumentary sitcom television series that depicts the everyday lives of, of office employees at uh, in the Scranton, Pennsylvania branch of the fictional Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there, uh, exactly. which, which, which we can, which we can get to here here in a little bit. Um, it aired from on NBC from basically you know spring of 2005 through spring of 2013 for a total of nine seasons. It was actually an adaptation of the BBC series from a few years earlier of the same name, and uh, you know basically this I'd say this uh, great cast of people came together to write it and to adapt it to the American uh, to the Ameri- to the American uh, uh, market. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And basically, 
So the and kind of as a format, the series was filmed as a single camera setup. So not like your typical um, sitcom, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, so it doesn't have a studio to, a studio audience, nor does it have a laugh track. Um, but it's supposed to simulate the look of an actual documentary from you know from, uh, throughout all the episodes. I, I want to touch on a couple things there. Um, so the American okay. mockumentary sitcom television series. So for both Daniel and Harsh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is one of the first of this type of format for the television series. Am I right or wrong on that? Do we know? <laughs> oh God, are we are we getting a grade on this question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say. I mean, there are, of course, mockumentary movies, but television format, I mean, especially with how The Office popularized the like the in show talking heads that kind of give a peek into what the character is thinking to the single camera, to the fact that they like really tried to make it seem I mean, and even in the last season where they actually like got meta and you met some of the documentary crew and got to watch it unfold as the documentary came to air. I I think you're right at, well, I think you're right, Adam, uh, that this may be one of the first, if the first mockumentary television shows. Is there obviously shows that came after it, like Parks and Recreation and Modern Family. Um, The, a quick Wikipedia search shows like Reno 911. Did you ever watch Mm. that? Daniel, like very I did, similar, yeah. which yeah. is kind of a, which was a spoof on cops. Right. The, yeah. the TV show. Um, harsh. Do you, do you know? So, so this is the, this is the wonderful place to caveat. None of us are experts at the, in anything oh, yeah. the office related. <laughs> so all claims <laughs> made here are completely unsubstantiated. Right. <laughs> Adam, I've watched the office in 2018. So I've watched it four times ever since, but I started in 2018. So for me, this was kind of one of the first ones uh, filmed in that way. Before this, a similar setting show that I would have watched would have been Jersey Shore, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. But I don't think I don't think they qualify for that. Well, Harsh said it, and he's an expert, as he claimed before. So yeah, I, I think because it. It's a mockumentary, but it also is kind of like the real world, um, those kind of reality TV shows. And they kind of, I think when developing the TV show, they took camera people and uh, ideas from reality TV shows. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, the show started right when the reality TV craze was kind of reaching its peak in America. Yeah, but would you would you look at maybe arrested development the same way? I know like they don't sit down to do interviews and such, mm. but it's kind of following mm. a family and a sort of a company. Uh yeah, they they don't directly talk to a camera, but right. uh, they are filming in a way that's a little bit different. Yeah, that, totally. That's, that's an excellent example. I yeah, completely forgot about. Not yeah, completely forgot about arrest. Because yeah, if you look at the episodes and the way they shoot, and it is more like a, yeah, like a like a d- pseudo you know documentary type style. Right. Yeah. Right? You don't feel like you're on a TV set. You feel like you're in their model home, which is just mm-hmm. a TV set. But <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that it is kind of 
Man, what a great show. Let's talk yeah. about Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they have like an overall commentary that's just kind of going on in the background. And uh, yeah, I think that was kind of my, my, my first foray into this type of comedy where there is no soundtrack at the back. And I was like, oh, I, I actually enjoy this. They, they let you digest the jokes yourself and let mm-hmm. you uh, kind of listen to it at your own pace. And then uh, I think that's kind of why I... Uh, got into the office later on too but yeah so as you mentioned before harsh and we can get into kind of how uh the story time and coco corner of how we got into the office but Mm -hmm. you said that adam our own uh, passion fruits (laughs) co-host adam uh introduced you to the office yeah adam adam's been trying for a while like adam's adam pushes a lot of tv shows on me but he's been relatively successful and he uh, has actually made some uh, decent recommendations uh, well, his first don't sound so surprised yeah. <laughs> well, i'm shocked i wish you guys could see my face because it's that it's the pikachu surprise face Adam, I, I know your passions to listen to this podcast and not a lot of our passions match but when it comes to tv shows <laughs> But, but no, like I, I think Adam, Adam was like uh, Adam and I actually started working together in like 2018, and um, we Adams made made a couple of like suggestions to me. I think this and maybe Brooklyn Line Nine and Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. and uh, I just. Uh, uh, to be honest, the whole reason I started the office, I, I don't really go back to watch a lot of TV shows that came in the early 2000s now. Um, just because of the picture quality for me seems a little bit off. And this was at a time where I was also new to a little bit new to Netflix, not relatively like not completely new, but uh, I'd only had it for maybe a year or so. So I got a new TV and I was like, let me put, play something on the TV. And the office was one of the suggestions that was right there. And I said, yeah, Adam suggested and I put it on and I kept watching it and kept watching and kept watching it. And I told Adam, I was like, I've gone through a couple of seasons and it's just this weekend. You had found a rip in the uh, in the space time continuum and had been able to watch it two seasons within one hour. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it, but, but that's one of the reasons, like, right? It's it's so easy to watch. It's just yeah. something that you can just put on and continue enjoying, even if you're doing something else, or you don't have to really follow along. You you can just get the jokes. And, uh, uh, yeah. And that's something that's kind of been really, and what has made the office still so successful through today is because they, uh, adapted to and embraced the digital streaming with Netflix. And also they were one of the first TV shows to be on the iTunes store. So they were like one of the first ones to really embrace the which is surprising because it's NBC behind it, but they were one of the first shows to really embrace the digital platform. And um, unfortunately, once they're off Netflix, I don't know what I'll do. But um, but that's like that like raises a good point about how The Office. When you like think of a binge worthy show, like mm-hmm. you could find a picture at like the definition of binge worthy would be The Office because mm-hmm. it's just so binge worthy on Netflix and so easy to follow along and like pick up most jokes and then you do a rewatch and um, pick up more jokes. And yeah. so how many times have you rewatched it harsh? Yeah. I, I would say like end to end, I've done it maybe about four times, but I've watched the particular episodes that I enjoy so much, uh, maybe more times. And, and then it said, right. Like, I think for me, the best part is going back and seeing subtle things that I missed. 
there are mm. so many details that the writers have in this. Uh, and I follow, of course, like the Dunder Mifflin subreddit, and I go over there and there's a whole community of people that are constantly discussing little things like when it's St. Patrick's Day, the water is green in the jugs, that when it's uh, like in the dinner party episode, there were there's certain, certain like really small details that you keep finding out on your rewatches, which just kind of enhance your experience, I'd say. Totally. Harsh, you know, before I, I recommended it to you, had you had you heard of the show before and and what were your impressions of the show? Because I think it's been in the, you know, like it's it's been around for a while mm-hmm. but like yeah when i when i recommended it to you what were your initial thoughts about it and what had you heard about it from before oh yeah yeah no i like i think uh the immediately the, the number one thing i realized when i watched the show was how many just memes have been made out of this so little mm-hmm. things uh like all these pictures of jim looking through the blinds or any one of Kelly's dialogues, all of these things that have just been popular in the meme culture for the past so many years. I was like, oh, wait, I recognize that. I, re- I recognize that too. Uh, so I, I'd heard of it. But I think uh, until you actually watch an episode, I never watched an episode of it um, uh, just because nobody had as strongly recommended it as you did. But <laughs> I strongly had Adam recommended it. Was he like threatening? I, I Adam followed up. That, that was a strong enough recommendation for me. Adam followed up on our launch. If you made a recommendation, I was like, wait, did you get a chance to watch that? And I was like, oh, I guess I need to now. And we, we were new friends. So I was like, I, I guess I, I, I need to invest this for our friendship. Yeah, if Adam, if Adam wants the office to define our friendship, then I guess I need to watch it. <laughs> I guess I need to, yeah, get the cultural references. But no, you, you know what's funny? Actually, Rain Wilson, I've seen him live at my uh, university, like I'm at my undergrad school, and uh, I, I completely forgot about that experience. I went to see him live, and he was there with his uh, crew. Like, he, he started doing something else. He wasn't really doing, like, TV shows or acting. He started doing something else. Um, hmm. And he was there, and uh, everybody just kind of went crazy that yeah rain wilson's here and this was around the uh 2013 2014 time frame um so he was definitely very popular but uh, i i had seen it uh like in terms of references in terms of uh, of course knowing steve Carell, uh jim krasinski oh john krasinski <laughs> uh and uh uh, you know, all these references, but until I think, I guess you see an actual episode, you don't realize what it is and right. why is it made that way. Uh, so for me, it was just uh, something that was, yeah, one of the things that's maybe popular, maybe I'll watch it, maybe not. Well, uh, Harsh, I'm very glad that you watched the show because we, we are able to be friends now. This is, this is the, this is the <laughs> test. <laughs> Adam was... <laughs> No, I was going to say, Adam Foster keeps setting uh, milestones for us, too. Since then, he's made me work, watch like Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I don't know what the latest <laughs> recommendation is, but Adam and I haven't seen each other in a while, so I haven't gotten anything yet. Thank you for that, uh, Harsh. Um, <laughs> so there, I, Daniel, I'm interested to know how you got into the office as well. And then sure. We, we kind of r- round table our mutual experiences about how we introduced ourselves to the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I remember back in high school, like freshman year of high school, there was, I think Adam and you and I talked about it maybe during our Simpsons episode. There was like clubs, I say quote unquote clubs, um, where 
people would sign up and basically it was just like you could there were activities that you could do during lunch and one of them was like the family guy club where you watched family guy or the office club where you watched the office during lunch and so i remember watching episodes from the second or third season i think the third because i remember the call of duty episode when jim is in stamford and i just I remember watching that and finding the show very funny, but it being on TV, like, I guess I wasn't really watching TV shows regularly, you know, when they would come out. Frankly, I was watching The Simpsons pretty much all the time, and we weren't watch, allowed to watch TV on the weekdays. So um, I didn't really try and seek out the office until much later when I met Katie, my wife introduced me or talked about, cause it's one of her favorite shows and talked about how much she loved it. And I was just like, I had never like really sat down and watched it. And since it was on Netflix again, like harsh said, it's just so easy to kind of just dive right in and just keep watching it. So I think just one weekend she was like, let's just watch the office. And we started from the beginning and we went through the entire thing. Like, you know, in a matter of weeks and have uh, watched it like the full series, like four or five times maybe. And yeah, it's always been one of our comfort food TV shows. Like Harsh said, I'm always finding new jokes that I love and I lo still love watching the old jokes and kind of just keeping up with it because yeah, now it's one of my favorite shows of all time. But yes, Adam, what about you? Since you're kind of the, uh, the, the progenitor of Harsh's <laughs> love for the office. <laughs> um, so I, similar to you, I don't think I started watching the office until after college. I think, mm -hmm. I think it went back to when I first got my Netflix account. When I start, when I really started watching it, I do remember that there are a couple, there is a time in high school, which I was exposed to it. And as well as a time in college, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of an odd story. So the first time I watched the office in high school was I was at a friend's house and I was very clearly at the, now that I look back on it, but what didn't realize it at the time, I was third wheeling between two of my other friends who were like <laughs> very yeah. clearly, very clearly starting like wanting to date each other. And they were like, Oh, let's just watch the office. So both of them like loved the office. And I just kind of sat there for a little while watching a couple episodes when I, before I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to go home. One, I don't really see why this show is so funny. And two, you all very clearly want some alone time. <laughs> Adam so, sitting in between them, like, like offering them popcorn, putting his arms around both of them and being like, isn't it good to just be friends? <laughs> Imagine that if, if you had really gotten into the show at that time and you were like, when are we watching next? When are we watching next? We're going to stay all night watching this up, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Adam so. only finds it funny when he's watching it with those two people. Otherwise... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that I remember that was like my first memory of the office. And once again, when I, because I think they were watching one of, you know, some of the DVDs and it was, I can't even remember which episodes they were watching, but it clearly, I think I had no context around it. And so I was just like, oh yeah, I can, it's kind of an awkward TV show, whatever. We can talk about it a little bit later on. But yeah, I, so that was my kind of foray into it. And, I, and obviously in college, Daniel, there are a few people that we knew who loved the show. And then yeah. like the show ended like in 2013. So clearly it was still going through our entire time in college. So there were people that would 
get together and watch the office, but I was never really, you know, you and I were too busy playing Halo all the time. Yeah. We were never <laughs> invited to those office parties, uh, apparently. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's how, we, and once again, I have actually found myself liking the the show more and more as I introduce people to it. So like Harsh, mm. when you went, when you said you were starting to watch it, I started to go back and watch it mm. um, as well. Um, Sarah, my girlfriend, uh, we, you know, I watched the entire thing with her because she hadn't seen it before. And so there, there are just a number of times where I, I've talked about the show to people and and harsh very similar to yourself like it 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 is funny to see the memes and like the different cultural like how how deeply it's been entrenched in the cultural zeitgeist and just how 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 so many people reference it even if they haven't watched the mm-hmm. the show from from uh, from end to end uh, but yeah so that's how i kind of how i kind of got into it and why i continue to watch it question i, I think the this is where we're going to have a lot more fun. Um, not that we're not that we're not having fun already, guys. Um, well, Adams, Adams, two friends who are trying to date aren't here, so Adams definitely not having any fun. <laughs> I, so I, I think all of us have our favorite characters, our favorite episodes, kind of any. You know, so I would like to hear from both you all, and like if if you don't mind, let's start off with Harsh. But what a like. I guess first, let's talk about the characters in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, who, Harsh? Who are some of your favorite characters, and why? Oh man, they they've definitely like changed over time uh, because it's easy. Like when you watch the first one or two times, to just go like be attached to either Michael, Jim, or Dwight, uh, just because they're kind of the main focus. But mm-hmm. I think over time, I've I've come to just love. Number one definitely is Creed, uh, especially <laughs> this, just the mystery around him, as well as uh, whenever he gets a little bit more than just uh, one or two dialogues. Like my favorite of him is when he becomes the boss. Do you remember that episode? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Where he comes in a Porsche and he he says, "Run." That is easily like one of my favorite kind of moments. A- any given time I watch that, I. I completely elusive but yeah again like he has so many great one-liners when he shows up to that halloween party with the bloody shirt and he says oh happy coincidence it's halloween <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the murder mystery one where michael says oh there's been a murder and uh well I, I forgot what the town was and uh, he goes give me just one second boss let me use it and then he just runs away <laughs> to me how shady he is living among so many like just simple people um it's, it's just uh, something that i've come to enjoy and and i like that they just don't give context to you on anything like in the end of course uh, there's uh, uh, a little bit of a combination to him and uh but they just don't give any context to why he is like how he is and then the second one i think from a one-liner perspective i love kelly uh, same reasons. Like she just shows up once every uh, once in a while and just has these like really good dialogues. Like like when um, uh, 
who was it when Ryan became boss and then he asked like, does anybody have any questions when he's giving a presentation? And then she just goes, yeah, I have a question. First of all, how dare you? (laughs) 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 So she, she just has so many of these like great, great dialogues that I think uh, are are just timeless. Like again, she was given to me in in, like little doses versus everybody else that I just constantly, you, you see them uh, being fed to you and there's so much to choose from because they're so selective and they show up once in a while they they just kind of i, I love whenever I, I i get a little bit of dose of them <laughs> that's such a good point and yeah especially on the creed aspect that that is a character that, and i don't think i i really realized that but you're 100 right that they the writers just give zero context <laughs> to anything yeah. that creed says and so Hey, yeah, there's such an air of mystery about that character, and it's and it's hilarious. And you you kind of uh, you know we'll, we'll talk about like spinoffs, but I would love to see a Creed mm-hmm. spinoff. <laughs> it might just be one episode because he might like die in the first episode. Like <laughs> if we finally see what he's up to, I have like mixed thoughts about that because. I feel like if they give us more of him, does that like mystery around him just kind of fade away? Because he, he had this one dialogue, if you guys remember, when Michael and uh, Pam are selecting a chair, and then he's looking for Pam's chair, and he comes in and says, if, if uh, Pam gets Michael's chair, I get Pam's chair, and then I have three chairs. Like, I have two chairs, and I only <laughs> have one more to go. And everybody was kind of wondering what it was about, and then he came in and... Uh, Uh, on reddit and actually did an ama and and answered that question it was kind of interesting but it wasn't like a really fun story so for me a lot of his (laughs) mystery if it just remains a mystery is just it's just precious right it's all yeah it's like if if you were to really dive deep into creed like if you were to explain creed it's almost like explaining the joke of creed so then yeah I think it would be, I would love to see Creed in like an entirely new show, but mm-hmm. I think with that same kind of air of mystery around yep. him. Yep. I I think, uh, I think what I think is funny is the, like Creed especially is a good example of, um, he played like literally his, his name is his act, the actor's name <laughs> yes. is Creed Bratton. Right. And so he just plays a fictionalized version of himself on, uh, on the show, but I think I didn't know he was so musically talented. So he's, you know, he's he's actually a really good guitarist and mm-hmm. a decent banjo player and stuff like that. So I well, I, Adam, he was so the band that they talk about him being in in the office, uh-huh. he was actually in that band in the seventies. Oh, and, okay. and Greg Daniels and or some of the showrunners or some of the writers were like huge fans of that band, and they were like, "We have to have Creed Brat." Uh, so, I recently <laughs> read a book about the office, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I also knew like that's why there's so much like that's why he's so musically inclined in the show is because Creed the actual person was in a kind of well-known 70s hippie band and that's kind of where he gets his Uh, hippie uh vibes and aesthetics and kind of mentality uh but yeah that's it's fun it's interesting and we can kind of further talk about other people where they've kind of folded in their real life talents into um the show if we can but yeah so yeah what about you adam I had a hard time with kind of thinking about this. So I actually, I, I have some caveats. I okay. actually really like Andy it, hmm. until season nine. Totally. Um, I think 
and and I've I've read different stuff about why they started to make him much more more of an asshole in season nine. It's because they were just right essentially writing writing him out of the show. But mm-hmm. I think he has some really good like everyone in the office has some really good one liners. But I love like his obsession with Cornell. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that he when was it was it was one of the later seasons where they had Stephen Colbert come on as uh, Broccoli Rob, <laughs> yeah. part part of his uh, acapella group. So I, I love like how how deeply rooted Andy is to his uh heritage and it's so easy to see like uh, he's he you know his he comes from an incredibly wealthy family he went to this incredibly incredibly pre- prestigious college and yet at the same time he's a mediocre salesperson <laughs> at a regional paper company at best so i right. i maybe it's because it's uh, it's a little bit too real. <laughs> like I know people <laughs> like this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Jeez, don't name names, Adam. Don't name names. No, no. But like, there's there's definitely something to that. Like everyone knows, like he's that guy in the office, and and I think every character on the show, the office is like in some way that guy or that gal. But mm-hmm. I think Andy really, uh, uh, really takes the cake for that one. Like like yourself, Harsh, I love Kelly. Um, her, I think part of her brilliance is like Mindy Kaling, obviously writing a number of episodes and just like really playing uh, playing up Kelly's personality. And I don't know, I I, I enjoy all the characters because they're they're caricatures of mm-hmm. actual personalities you meet in the office. And then lastly, I um, I love to hate Ryan. For- <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Like, like Ryan is one of the, so it, it, once again, maybe it, because it hits a little bit too real, um, <laughs> like him getting his MBA, yes. uh, <laughs> it's yeah. just, just like this, this like entitled overconfident young guy who comes in, thinks he, he knows everything, what there is to know about everything, like what's cool, what's not cool. I actually, and we can get into this a little bit more but i there some of the main characters i'm not as big of a fan i'm actually not that big of a fan of jim as a mm-hmm. character you know similar thing with like pam like the jim and pam thing is cute but it's it, i think it's it's uh drawn out a little bit but anyways we, we can get into that a little bit later uh dan <laughs> daniel sorry <laughs> characters favorite characters reasons why reasons why not i'll say the obvious one i've I just love Michael Scott most and mostly because I just love Steve Carell so much as a person um, and think even the even his worst works are still amazing. And I just love all the stuff that Steve Carell does. But I also really love uh, Ellie Kemper's character, Aaron, how like naive and innocent she is. But she's also like there's just so many like funny things she does um and i've loved her in uh kimmy schmidt too and she's just been amazing in that but yeah i think ellie kemper's character aaron is one of my favorite if not tied with uh michael scott um just because of how funny she is and how she brings this kind of interesting dynamic to the office where everybody is cynical and jaded she's like this innocent naive character who just sees the best in everybody and tries to see the best in the office and thinks that this paper company is the best in the world and Michael Scott is the best in the world. And yeah, she's just 
hilarious in it. Daniel, do you know, or, or Harsh, do you know when Aaron or Ellie, Car- Ellie Kemper's character comes into the show? Because I think that was, uh, that was season four. Yeah, yeah, that was like season four or five. Uh, I believe it was five when Michael Scott Paper Company comes into place. Yeah. They need to hire a replacement. And then, uh, yeah, she, like she just kind of stays on permanently since then. I think it was like somewhere middle of season five. That's right. Yeah, because Idris Elba comes on and <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite my favorite Aaron line is has to be like uh, when when she's getting uh, lunch with Michael and she goes, uh, "My last job was at Taco Bell Express, but then it became a full Taco Bell, and I don't know, I just couldn't keep up." And <laughs> that, that, that just <laughs> summarizes everything that you said, Daniel, about like her character yeah. and how <laughs> she's just like so just naive, but uh, she's in this little world, and uh, yeah, you you learn to just kind of like her from from there on, and you realize like. Uh, yeah, she, she's some people like she is relatable at some level. Yeah, I love it when they it's one of the Halloween episodes where she's bobbing for apples, but then there are like people around her, and it's obvious that she's been underwater for like several seconds. And then, like, they pull her out of the water, like, oh god, they pull her out, and she's like, I did it, I ate two whole apples. <laughs> Yeah, I I think uh, it was in one of the later episodes where it turns out like it shows how competitive she is. I think it was the paper airplane uh, episode where she's just like hyper competitive, and it comes back to her being like in you know in cares like like just fighting for scraps. Essentially, I I thought I thought that was very very funny. So that segues us nicely into episodes and what stands out from from an episode standpoint that you all really like so harsh you want to you want to talk oh, through a couple of your favorite episodes oh man oh man i i i was so excited about this part <laughs> just just because <laughs> I, I saw this recently and i just i still laugh at every single joke uh i'm talking about dinner party and yes. it's just it's such a wonderful episode but the one thing i will preface with this is just like they don't show like i, I believe there are other episodes that involve a lot more of his characters in this there was a smaller group but the tension there is the cringiness there is from start to finish is uh beautiful and what what's funny enough like when i was looking at the episode and i was looking at the writer of the episode i i realized like this guy is the same guy that also wrote uh scott's thoughts so oh nice yeah it's uh, uh gene stupinski and no wonder he's he's good at this but yeah to me <laughs> uh, just the really dark kind of humor <laughs> It, it just makes her uncomfortable. Like I've, I've, my, my girlfriend, like Shamila, she, I tried to make her watch Scott's thoughts and this with me a couple of times. She just prefers to skip it whenever it's on. She's like, I'd rather not. Jan dancing to her ex-assistant's songs while everybody else stares at each other. And uh, Michael and uh, Jan calling each other babe. But but my <laughs> absolute favorite part of this has to be Michael introducing the two hundred dollar plasma TV. To everybody. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to see the bloopers for that, but I'll share those with you. So, but it's 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 funny because like they're they're filming that part of the episode and they just uh, John and and uh, like Jim and Pam just keep laughing and just keep losing and they're like we'll never finish this episode. But he just goes. 
$200 plasma TV. If there are more people, you just push it right back. And then there's some <laughs> sound with this. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's beautifully written. It's so many good little nuggets in that. So harsh between Scott's tots and dinner party, which do you think is more cringy or awkward? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, I, I think Dinner party is tough to get through as a whole episode, but Scott Stotts has just that one like speech or one portion that is so hard to get through. Not even the speech, like <laughs> right before that when they're singing for him. Yes. It's, hard. it's like, <laughs> oh God, why? Like, you know what's about to come. There's no, right. he's not going to pull something out magically. This is not that show where something magical is going to happen and they're all going right. to It's uh, So to me, uh, I, I think uh, cringiness standpoint, like if, if we're talking about a particular moment, I'm going to have to go with Scott Stotts, but this entire episode, start to end, um, dinner party is is definitely one of my favorite ones especially also like i i don't know if you guys remember the tension between jan and pam where yeah oh yeah jan thinks that pam had an affair with michael and what that <laughs> leads to one of my favorite ones in that was also uh where um well, after Michael's done introducing his TV, Pam's like, yeah, you know, Jim fixed up our TV, but I didn't have audio for a week. And uh, uh, Michael goes, yeah, uh, let me know. I'll be a phone call away if you need me to uh, set up your TV. And Jen goes, I bet you are. And yeah. <laughs> a couple of seconds of silence is just right. <laughs> that, that like, level of like letting you digest that with everybody's and their expressions are just like how I would react in a situation like that. Like you, you just don't react to anything. So yeah. that that's what kind of just makes it so much better. This past year, maybe like last year, there was it was like the ten year anniversary or some year anniversary of the of the dinner party episode, and it was like Rolling Stone did an oral history of the dinner party episode where they had people talk about it. Did you guys read that article or see that article? I did not. No, I did not. Oh either. man, they did. I'll send it to you guys because it was like a deep dive into how they were just so worried about how kind of dark the episode was and how cringy it was. And yeah, that, that's also one of my favorite, like that is my favorite episode. It's so good. <laughs> I, yeah. The, I don't know. You all hit on pretty much all the, all the big ones. Har- harsh, any, uh, what, what other episodes really stand out to you? I, I think, I think from, from an, another standpoint uh, to me, I, I loved stress relief part one. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that had possibly the best intro scene of the entire series. I'd say where um, yes. Dwight sets the office on fire just to prove a point that nobody <laughs> could think of his drills. And <laughs> that was such a long scene. And it was so just, yeah, Dwight being Dwight and then the interaction that follows at corporate. He tries to guess what uh, David Wallace and the other are saying by like, I'm stopping the punishment. And then he goes, I'm not a mind reader, David. And then I was like, why are you trying to guess that? Right. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, that was beautiful. And then I think uh, they just print, like topped it off with uh, that whole CPR training. Oh my God. <laughs> them breaking down that song, Kelly starting to dance. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Again, that, that was like again, that was like a cheerful, like an easy watching episode. On the other side, where 
it, it was just uh, you just enjoy seeing Dwight and uh, Michael get into trouble, right? So you enjoy <laughs> right. from that standpoint. <laughs> Where Dwight cuts the face off the yes. uh, CPR <laughs> dummy and he turns around and he says, Hello, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, uh, that yeah harsh you're hitting like all my favorite episodes that is i love those two sequences and it's just amazing the choreography and just in the intro scene and how they all tie it together it's so beautiful it's so wonderful yeah uh, and, and then lastly i think i just want to give a shout out to christmas party i know they have like a lot of uh uh, great Christmas party episodes, but my favorite one has to be the first one where Michael buy- Michael buys that four hundred dollar iPod, and uh, I think uh, Adam, this was when like this was one one liner that I, I talked to you so many times about where Michael goes. Uh, uh, I, I like a gifts because uh, the value of a gift like translates directly to how much you love a person. You can tell them I love you X dollars <laughs> worth. So <laughs> to me, that was that just. Uh, was one of those things where you, you get introduced to Michael as a character. And it was one of those episodes where uh, everybody in the office was involved. So you got to see a little bit of uh, Ryan trying to stay away from Michael, Jim and Pam's romance, uh, Phyllis and her soft side, and Creed forgetting that it was Christmas and just picking up a shirt uh, so, <laughs> and not caring about it. So to me, like that was one of the things where, yeah, again, um, celebration episode, Christmas party, but you get to see everybody over there. That's that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where Michael gives Ryan the iPod yeah. video, right? <laughs> and then he oh, get he yeah. gets that uh, oven mitt in return, and he's upset. <laughs> he's like, Phyllis thinks I am this oven mitt's worth. My friendship <laughs> is worth this oven mitt worth. And then he turns that into like a Yankee swap or something else, where everybody's trying to get the iPod. <laughs> it of course has the teapot in it too, yeah. where uh, Jim has the note to Pam in it. Yeah. which started everything. I don't know if you guys oh. remember, the, but that was also when we got introduced to Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. That, that had oh, that. Yeah. Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, Bob Vance. Right. What kind of work are you doing, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Adam, what about you? What are some of your favorite episodes? So... I, I, so there are four that stand out to me. So I, one of my all time favorites is traveling salesman and it's, it's a little bit of a throwaway seat. It's, it's like a throwaway episode, i.e. it's not a, uh, it's not an episode that really moves the plot along all that much, mm-hmm. but I think it's hilarious. Some of the different bits and skits inherent in it. And it's also one of the first times you see just how good of a salesperson like Dwight and Jim are, uh, it shows how good of a salesperson Michael is as a as a recovering salesperson in real life. I really appreciate a lot of the tactics that they that they went to went through. But even, like small things where uh, like uh, Dwight has to stay in the uh, request gym to leave him the keys to the car before they go into their client's uh, office, and he has plays like some like heavy metal uh, pump up music. It's Motley Crue. Uh, Kickstart my heart. <laughs> Oh yeah. So, so, uh, so it's like it's like small stuff like that where it's like I said, it's a relatively run in the mill episode from like a plot moving forward, but there's small little bits that I really really like about it. That one I, I see this on some of your all's lists as well, but the episode broke mm-hmm. when Michael Scott negotiates the acquisition of the Michael Scott Paper mm-hmm. Company back into mm-hmm. Dunder Mifflin. I think that's I think that that says a lot. It showed a lot about michael scott caring for his employees Mm -hmm. 
and just and and also just like you know i love the bit where michael goes um he goes i'll start another paper company and yep. another paper company i've got no no shortage of names <laughs> yeah and, and, and i think that was kind of one of the points like later in the season but i think later in the series but uh the thing i like about the office is it's not a bunch of goofs just running this and this somehow happened to have the highest number of sales. Dwight's a really good salesperson. Jim, if he tries, can be good. Michael is good. They, they showed Michael being good, I think, the first time when uh, he was at Chili's uh, mm-hmm. with Jen. And yeah. that's one of the things I appreciated just about the series was it's not like, of course, there are people like Ryan and uh, Kevin, but uh, there are people that are good at their jobs, so it is not too far from um, reality, uh, yeah. which is, of course, uh, digestible about the show. And this is when you can relate with the show. So that was actually something that when Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais were talking to Greg Daniels about adapting the show to an American audience, like mm-hmm. Ricky Gervais said specifically, like people who are bad at their jobs can be bosses in the UK. And that's why Ricky Gervais's character, David Brent, works so well in the UK version of The Office, the original version. But he was like, in America, like if a manager is somebody, if if they're bad at their job or if they're, you know, if they're not good at their job, they won't get to that position. So you have to make him good at something like you have to make him good at sales. Like you can't just it's totally different if they made Michael Scott a buffoon mm-hmm. like ricky gervais's character and just kind of like even more oblivious than he really is and just like not working at all then yeah like it would be the show would have lasted maybe like two seasons and nobody would able to like believe in the show and relate to it there was another part in it was when they all went to um the convention and michael Mm -hmm. like strikes a deal to sell hammer mill paper through right uh, and yeah i thought i thought that was very yeah, and another example of that. <laughs> and he says, uh, Jan says, I overestimated you, Michael. And Michael says, well, next time, estimate me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniel, how about yourself? Any any others that really stand out for you? Oh, well, we hit kind of the major ones, the um, the dinner party and the stress relief episodes. I do love the series of episodes with Michael Scott paper company. And I also love the series, the weight loss episode series when they introduce, um, Holly, Holly. Yeah. The new HR person to replace Toby who spoilers, Michael Scott eventually ends up with, we've talked about some of the episodes that I love, but I love them all. What about, uh, cause you have it on, on our, uh, outline threat level midnight. I would love. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, in like the second season, when Michael is on a sales call or in New York or something, they find uh, a script to a movie that Michael Scott is working on called Threat Level Midnight that they do like a table read for, and then since it was. Steve Carell's like last season on the office, the writers apparently wanted to make it a reality of Michael Scott has shot this movie threat level midnight, and now they're going to watch it in the office. So it's like this Michael Scott plays Michael Scarn, a James Bond type character. And it's all like not a home movie because the production value is a little bit better, but it involves everybody in the office and it's, 
there's just so many good lines on it and like that and like i think we talked about it earlier too the murder mystery episode where there's been a murder in savannah ah so good <laughs> yeah so go, go ahead harsh no i was going to say like murder mystery episode kind of goes along with our earlier theme that we talked about like michael being this different kind of boss but still knowing mm-hmm. what he's doing because at the end of murder mystery you saw jim just freaking out and making everybody else worried and michael saying i know what i'm doing uh right to me which was just such a great touch because we we constantly forget like we look at mark michael as this character uh as a goofy character that just cares about himself usually uh, but then uh, he has these moments where it's like no he has it he has a method to the madness yeah exactly yeah, I think that's an interesting thing about the office in general is everyone is flawed in one way, shape, or form, and no one's like 100% perfect either. Mm-hmm. So it's this very um, – everyone kind of rides that spectrum of of how much you like them versus how much you hate them throughout throughout the show. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, a very um, – you know whether or not it was wholly intentional it's something that the office does really really well because everyone is every character is a little bit relatable mm-hmm. um not 100 relatable <laughs> and not all the time um but it's like oh yeah i can see that so it's it's no one is no character is so absurd that it's completely beyond reasonable kind of reasonable doubt that that could be something um right. so and that that gets me onto uh, kind of some questions for both harsh and daniel and especially you harsh um but like re- what sort of like reoccurring themes or what sort of like little bits and gags do you like that you that you've identified in the show that like regardless of like an episode or a character just like what are what are some things that make the show special for you if you if you will yeah to me i think again it's it's the side storylines that they've got going on right like one of my favorite ones um, later in the seasons is when Dwight hires this helper for the warehouse, Nate, um, and he, he goes to pick, pick a worker from uh, this community, and, and Dwight goes, Don, where are you from? And, they, <laughs> and then uh, that just kind of sparked this, this recurring character, which is side character, small character, but he just gently gets into... Uh, these different storylines somehow um, to me like yeah Jim and Pam are nice like you utilize that after once once in a while like same with Dwight and Angela Michael and Jan Michael and Holly but these side characters how you see Daryl evolve uh, going from somebody that just worked in the warehouse all the way to being a part of this big company uh, these these subtle like uh, these side characters and uh, seeing what they do later in the series, like seeing sparks of that early on. Um, for example, like I said, Daryl, Daryl has always been ambitious early on. Uh, so you, you see the growth. And, and to me, again, aside from the fact that I can just put this on whenever I have nothing else to do, I want to be on my phone and uh, this mm-hmm. is going to give me a good laugh. It's just, I, you forget about these subtle things that they've got going on in the background that they obviously have paid a lot of attention to and, and you start to enjoy those and you keep discovering so many of these constantly. You, you discover little details that they put into uh, the show. Uh, I, I still keep finding things. So I think for me, it's just uh, the details that they have in the show. Uh, that's what makes me appreciate and wants me to just keep going back and, and enjoying it again and again. How about you, Daniel? 
any any like reoccurring themes or anything that you're yeah um i guess there's a couple uh that pam has in the later seasons there's like and it's it, it's not like something that happens throughout the entire series it's like a couple episodes where it's, you can tell that the writers were kind of like on one kind of bit that they wanted to do with Pam. Like she has very specific interactions with Ryan and <laughs> she's like, she says something is like, Oh, this thing is like crack. And Ryan goes, <laughs> I love how people say that who've never tried crack say it's like crack. And she's like, <laughs> she goes to Ryan. Well then what Ryan, what is it like? And he's like, I don't know something from your world scrapbooking. <laughs> and she's like, okay, it's like scrapbooking. <laughs> and it's just like this really like, you don't see that in like you don't see that that often so when it's this weird interaction of like ryan and pam going Mm -hmm. after each other it's hilarious and then there are other points where pam and again it's in the later seasons where pam gets uncomfortable like when timothy oliphant comes into become he replaces packer as the traveling salesman yeah and they talk or they kind of confront him about dating pam and or going on a date with pam and not calling her back and then timothy oliphant says like well she was kind of nerdy and they kind of like sit back he's like oh shit he was kind of brutally honest there and then pam just like goes all right whatever and then just goes like and like sticks her thumb thumb out or thumb out tongue out um and just like walks away but she does that like several times throughout the series where it's again something little that if you're not paying attention to you'll just like catch and be like oh haha um but like it's something that i've like incorporated into my life and like katie will do that and like you know it's just yeah there's kind of those reoccurring bits that aren't like huge and aren't like part of the story they're just like something that happened in a couple episodes that I just absolutely love. The, the other thing that I really like, and I know it's, it's, it's very obvious, but the rivalry between Jim, like the, the prank rivalry between Jim and mm-hmm. Dwight is always fantastic. Mm-hmm. Or I guess more so Jim pranking Dwight. Um, but I like the friendships that evolve throughout the show as well, especially with Dwight, who is like this very, uh, kind of antagonistic character especially in the first couple seasons but especially as you get through the later seasons like dwight and pam become legitimate friends and there's there's always this begrudging respect between dwight and uh uh, between dwight and jim and to a certain extent between like dwight and andy like all these different things where dwight's supposed to be kind of the asshole of the office but he's this very caring person in general Um, right i would also uh, and so w- I, I really enjoy the episode where Jim and Pam get married, but that's probably mm-hmm. the only one episode where I really enjoy their love arc, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, gotcha. I think they're I I'm as not as a big a fan of the Jim and Pam love story as oh my god I, as I think a lot. Why is of that? Them. Why is that, Adam? I, it, wow. I, yeah. I, what the hell? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's What's yeah. up? <laughs> Drove away half our audience, Adam. <laughs> I, I, it may, maybe it's because it is, I compare it to other like TV relationships, if you will. Um, like I, this is a completely different show, but I love, uh, Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt from Parks and Recreation. I love their, 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 their love arc, if you will. Um, but like Jim and Pam, it's kind of a weird, like, 
Like Jim is clearly clearly has a crush on and goes after Pam, who is like engaged to Roy. And however terrible Roy may be, like I think that's a big no no in my personal opinion. And then the like their their weird dynamic towards the end um, of Jim honestly not being that great of a partner at the very mm-hmm. end of the series uh, bo- bothers me. <laughs> um, and then like Pam is. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's not as uh, it's it's like very fairy tale esque, but at the same time, it's uh, I don't know. I, I I there are just so many instances throughout the show that I, for whatever reason, I can't pinpoint exactly right now. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Damn it! I'm just, recording the podcast. <laughs> no, sorry. To talk about this, but it's it, it's just like it it just seems so like maybe predictable if you have maybe it's the writers just trying to like extend the relationship as long as possible but there are so many like very obvious like ups and downs throughout the relationship that i think is i don't think move move, they they didn't move me emotionally if that makes Hmm. sense that can kind of dovetail into a question i have for both of you um how do you feel about the eighth and ninth ninth season after Steve Carell left. And I think Adam, you bring up a good point about Jim and Pam's relationship when it kind of, you start to see the cracks in it in the ninth season. How do you guys feel about the later seasons where Ed Helms becomes the the boss, the manager of Dunder Mifflin Scranton branch? Harsh. You want to take that one first? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, for me, I binged it. So I was okay mm-hmm. with a lull for a weekend but I can imagine like if it was going through, like if you were watching this on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis, mm. something like that, that would be hard to just kind of keep up. Cause yeah, for me, it just wasn't as interesting before because uh, you, you develop so much, like you develop an attachment with someone like Steve Carell um, and Ed Helms character just changes completely. Uh, so for me, that, Towards the end, it was just like, yeah, let, let's wrap it up. Uh, they, they were stretching it a little bit. And if, if you look at our episodes, the ones that we've talked about, most of the ones that we thoroughly enjoyed are from uh, the first four or five seasons. There are good right. bits in eight and nine, like when they go to uh, Florida, uh, you see uh, Jim and Dwight's friendship a little bit. And uh, you, you see, uh, like, uh, you see, uh, Dwight actually just carrying the whole show. So Dwight mm-hmm. for me remained a solid character throughout the series, but I think uh, they were just stretching out uh, towards the end over there. Yeah. I think that's a very accurate representation of how I feel too. It's like hmm. to, in order to extend the show, the writing became a little bit more absurd. And, and like you said, Harsh, I think ca- characters – fundamentally changed by the end, which I wasn't as happy with. And granted, you know, every character is supposed to have development, but I think if, I think that character development has to stick to what that character's core principles are. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, like Andy basically becoming, I, I guess it's not super far off, but you know, he just becomes so incredibly self-involved um, at the expense of all his friends and his, you know, and Aaron, it was, it was odd because I, I always thought that they struck that, struck that balance of Ed being of like Andy being self-involved, but at the same, at the same time, he's just like, he's generally a good guy and he mm-hmm. wants to like do what's best. 
where he just becomes completely narcissistic by the end. Um, Jim, like I mentioned before, and, and you know what we just, just discussed of him for you know the prior seven seasons doing anything that would basically help further his relationship with Pam, mm-hmm. um, and then once again kind of becoming very self involved and 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 and, and, and you know, like. I get it. Like I can, I can definitely see how that reflects relationships in the real world. And you have children, and you have this career opportunity, and you know that definitely changes that changes the dynamic. But I feel like that was so far of a so much of a change for Jim's core principles and who he was as a person. Um, some of the things you know, like Angela changes, and and you know, just other other things that just didn't strike me as being as natural. Yeah. If you will, with with with, with the core, cool, with the essence of the show, right? That's why I, I actually I enjoyed the eighth and ninth season probably more than most people. But that is one thing that always really bugs me is like the character of Andy that Ed Helms plays is like you clearly see him throughout the entire run of the show up until the eighth and ninth season. Mm-hmm. You see him growing as like this actual caring person where in the very beginning he's an asshole, he has anger management issues. Like, I mean, there are episodes dedicated to how much of an asshole Andy is. And then there later in the show, there's episodes dedicated to Andy's actually like turning into like a good guy. Like he's rounding himself out. He's dating someone nice. Like, and then the, yeah, it's, it's so weird. Like, I don't know if it's like the breakdown of his family losing all their money and his dad running off. Like, I'm sure that's what the writers contribute to Andy being an asshole and like the reason for why Andy is an asshole. But it's almost like they threw all of his character development and character growth out the window and just created another Michael Scott, but in a Ed Helms kind of way. I don't know. But I do enjoy the eighth and ninth season. I do think there are some amazing cast additions to the with Mm -hmm. the seventh, eighth and ninth seasons. Like I love James Spader. Uh, he yeah. is like eerily brilliant in his role as Robert California. Um, I actually like Nelly, uh, Catherine Tate's character. Yeah. Um, I for for whatever weird reason I like her character, and and you and you become and she grows a lot, and you become much more empathetic to to what she's going through, especially right. when you look at like uh, like you know one of the episodes where Andy just becomes a complete asshole and refuses to sign adoption papers for mm-hmm. for Nellie um like i i enjoy her i enjoy the growth that Dwight goes through as he kind of takes over his his family's farm um i i i do think that um i can't remember their names that like the th- the two new guys plop and uh Clark <laughs> Clark Duke Duke uh their two characters yeah i think they were kind of given the short end of the stick as far as what they could do but i thought they were funny so i thought there were some good additions to the cast for the for the last couple seasons there was apparently talks about like continuing the office but without the cast that you know like without john krasinski and without jenna fisher or like going to a new office and calling it like having it be the office, but in a different location. Like how do you guys feel about that? It like almost being like the Simpsons, but like a new revolving cast of characters in the same office. How do you guys feel about that? How do you guys feel about spinoffs? And then we can talk about a reboot, which of course has been talked about since after like a week after the office ended in 2013 harsh how would you have felt if they had just kind of put in new characters and had 
Clark Duke be the new Dwight and everything. I, I would have liked to see that. To me, like why season eight and nine kind of had a lull was I felt nobody really cared about the office itself. Everybody mm-hmm. seemed like they had something bigger and better to do. Like example, Jim, uh, Robert California. Of course, Michael's gone away uh, and Andy was going and handling his family business and other things. So to me, they took away the focus from just the office. So there wasn't that glue. So if, if these guys were going to try to revamp the office in a modern workspace and try to see how they adjust possibly some of the older characters to newer HR policies and uh, a new workplace setting, I would have liked mm-hmm. to see that them kind of adjust that because they ended this right around 2013, right? This is where uh, a lot of different changes were coming into the workplace in terms of how people are working and uh, general HR policies as well. So for me, having seen, uh, having them kind of make that adjustment and also keeping some of the older casts, uh, maybe the, the background casts in there and having them walk, mm. uh, work through that journey would have been interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, Harsh. Like that's a, that's a, I, I had not thought about it in that way in the sense that, but you're, uh, per usual, <laughs> you're, 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 you're right that like, yeah, the attention was not on the actual functioning of the office. It's all on these, like, you know, the, the 12 side stories that's going on at any point in time, whether it be, you know, Angela, her, her, her yep. relationship with the Senator and mm-hmm. Dwight's, you know, family, family's goings on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent point that I had not thought of before. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when Daniel, when you first asked that question, you know, five minutes ago, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm okay with it ending. But I think uh, I see Harsh's point. It would have been interesting to see. I do think that I, I don't think that those two characters and some of the newer ones would have brought the kind of the the pizzazz if you will around mm-hmm. the and, and kind of that that original draw around the office and i yeah. think just in general i always think that tv shows rest better in history if they're made for a certain number of seasons and then they're intentionally ended they're not just canceled they're intentionally ended like you see that in the good place i just think that you do especially such irreverent comedies like this Mm. that have created such a huge fan base i don't think that fan base would have been there if the show was still going on today in a completely different format so so daniel what are your thoughts daniel and harsh what are your thoughts on a reboot Uh, no i think for, for me reboot i just i just like to see them adhere to the 21st century now uh i i I don't i i'm not like uh, i don't want them to continue with the similar theme that they had even if they're able to get the same cast together because it's not going to be as relatable now like we all work we all know this would never fly like we would know that this is not something that uh anybody can relate to over here uh anymore so i i'd i'd like to if if they um go and try to do a reboot. I'd like to see the same people maybe adjust. Maybe they got a new opportunity. Uh, they need to adjust and them struggling to adjust and getting into trouble uh, and all of that. Um, so for, for me, I agree with you, uh, Adam. There's not going to be a good way to do a, a reboot uh, with the same mm. people, but if they have to, maybe a season or so of how they would adjust to the new world. Uh, Daniel, how about yourself? I, I'm torn on a reboot. Um I would really only want to reboot 
And I know it kind of goes against what we've been talking about with kind of changing the cast and kind of keeping it relevant, but I would only be really interested in it if Steve Carell was doing it. And I know, I think he might be the only holdout that says he's not going to do that. Cause to me, I think he is such a, an amazing actor and an amazing comedian and an amazing improviser. And again, they weren't really, they weren't doing a ton of improvising on the show, but the little bits that they improvised, like there's a ton of it that is Steve Carell. And I don't know how you just do that organically. Maybe kind of, yeah, I I don't know. I'm, I'm really torn on it. Of course I would watch a reboot and see if I liked it, but if uh, Steve Carell wasn't in it, then I would probably write it off more quickly than I would probably give it a chance, which is probably not very fair, but I don't know. To me, it's, it, the office probably should have ended at season seven when Steve Carell left, but I wasn't the showrunner, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we start to wrap up kind of this discussion, uh, I would like to hear from the two of you all as well as kind of how watching the office has also influenced other shows that you watch. That makes sense. And I think the, the natural one to talk about is parts and recreation and, and how, how you sit with that and like, you know, Harsh, you mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I know, Daniel, you're also a fan of, so on and so forth. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Any thoughts, musings, if you will? Yeah, I think for me, Parks and Rec, I watched it again because you recommended it. It that I'm not a big fan, like as big of a fan of it as I was of The Office. I watched it once, binged it again, enjoyed it. It wasn't bad. It, I enjoyed it. It just started off slow and it ended kind of weirdly for me. Um, yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. for me, that just... Again, uh, not something that's a huge impression, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah, uh, definitely. And I know uh, it's it's being made by the same guy that uh, wrote a bunch of stuff on The Office, too, Michael Schur. He's a, who plays Moe's on yeah. uh, The <laughs> Office. I, I didn't, did not know that he was that brilliant of a, a person, but uh, I was hearing their Brooklyn Nine-Nine podcast, and uh, they basically took the best of both worlds, like with the office with uh, parks and rec whatever they learned from that and put it into another cop show that is uh, actually very different from all the other cop shows that are out there so for for me i, I think yeah I've, I've definitely enjoyed uh that kind of comedy more now uh now that i know that i like it and i'm seeking out other shows like it so yeah it's it's led to i'd say i'm very happy it led to brooklyn 99 uh parks and rec is is fine <laughs> it's fine it's just fine okay <laughs> don't talk about it anymore <laughs> what about you daniel so yeah i kind of i agree with harsh i do i do love parks and rec i watched that before watching the office and really kind of got into parks and rec before watching the office so it kind of holds a special place in my heart and i kind of um I view them equally, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine is also one of my favorite shows. And again, Michael Schur is just, along with The Good Place, has created some amazing shows. And so has Greg Daniels. So it's kind of like, if I see their names attached to it, and I know Greg Daniels has his new Amazon show, Upload, which I need to watch. Yeah, I think every th- once I see their names on it, I'm like, okay, I should probably check this out because... I trust them as showrunners and creators, so it should be funny at least. Yeah. What I'm, about you, Adam? I'm a huge fan of Parts and Rec. So I I actually like Parts and Recreation more than The Office. 
Um, <laughs> so there, there's a reason for that. First of all, I'm a government nerd, so I love like the inner workings of the government, and I'm also a big fan of the show The West Wing, um, which we have spoken about on this podcast before. And I was listening to a a, a another podcast featuring Rob Lowe, who mm-hmm. is one of the main characters in The West Wing, and he's also in Parks and Recreation. And they said that the writers of Parks and Recreation loved the West Wing and wanted to do a show that was the essentially the West Wing, but the comedy version of it. And they said, so that's the genesis of how it became like a local government Parks and Recreation office, because it's like the complete opposite setting of the big, you know, the huge stakes associated with, you know, running a gov- you know, running, you know, the, the government of the world's most powerful nation to like this little insignificant parks uh, parks department in nowhere, Indiana. Um, mm. So that's what, after Rob Lowe said that I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Um, I also think that, you know, harsh, you have a good point. The first season is not good. <laughs> and, so, and so it, it can leave a sour taste in your mouth as you, as you watch it. And, but there's so much adjustment to the characters once they get through. And yeah, the last couple episodes it, it is it is a weird way to end, but I had, I actually enjoyed the last episode, the very last episode, and how they wrap everything up. And I think that that show is more consistent across um, all the episodes, and like I can enjoy any of those episodes. Where there are some, in my opinion, in the office, there are some ones that I can skip, and mm-hmm. I have zero issue doing. Harsh, do you have anything else to that that you wanted to add? Things that we missed that you wanted to hit upon before we before we start to wrap this up. No, I just want to say thank you for having me. This was fun uh, being here, just talking about the office uh, on in a professional setting. Uh, is so uh, it's fun. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, Harsh, thanks so much for for yeah. joining us today. Absolutely. Yeah, hell yeah, this was a lot of fun. All right, do you want to add into recommendations, Adam? Sure. So, Harsh, you're you're welcome to hang out hang out for this. We'd love any of your recommendations. Um, but yeah, we can we can hop into the recommendation zone. So last time you recommended to me, I watched the Brave Wilderness YouTube channel specifically about the murder hornets. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Thanks for that, I guess. It made me terrified of them even more than I already am. (laughs) But I did watch it on YouTube. I guess point for Adam. (laughs) Yes, I win. (laughs) (laughs) You win the podcast. Braxton will be so happy. Braxton, who's a great guy, not an asshole, like I said in the last episode. (laughs) You also recommended I listen to Esoterica's, correct? Esoterica's In Dreams. Yes. And I did. did. It's a cool song. Yeah. I'm going to check out more of their stuff. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it a bit. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. And then... I also recommended to you last time that you check out XCOM Chimera Squad and Gears of War Tactics, two PC video games. Yes. Yeah, so I have, I honestly have not been had a chance to play those. I did Ugh. get XCOM PC or Xbox PC and I, oh, dope. I downloaded Gears of War Tactics. I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, same thing for like XCOM Chimera, Chimera Squad. Like I haven't played through XCOM 2, so I figure I should do that first. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so so the, but the they're both intriguing, and I I do want to do want to play them. So cool. Yeah. Do Go you ahead. want to start with harsh? Harsh. Yeah. First of all, do you have any recommendations for us about what we should watch, listen to, play, read, so on and so forth? Oh man, uh, 
I don't. I think you guys probably have already done this, but have either of you watched Avatar: The Last Airbender? I am just starting it since it just got on Netflix, and it is it's a, it's a very enjoyable. But have have either I, of you watched the TV show? I have not. What what is no. what is the premise? Harsh. Uh, he bends the air. He's the last <laughs> airbender. That, that's how simple the show is. <laughs> but it, it basically has different kind of element benders, earth benders, fire benders. Uh, it's a kid's cartoon show, but it's apparently a classic. And my girlfriend asked me to uh, start with it. And uh, it's, again, one of those easy watches. It's kind of a throwback. I've never seen it before. So, But it's kind of like one of your old little cartoons that uh, have a storyline. And uh, it's enjoyable. But cool. that's what I'm watching these days. I I think the only experience I've had with The Last Airbender was I started watching the movie, like the feature film, oh, The Last Airbender, no. which came out in like, and it, I, I just Googled it or I, I just binged it. Oh God. Oh, God. <laughs> and it has a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. That is amazing. I, my, my girlfriend is a fan of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. She's told me she's never watched that because she's just, or they did not do justice to oh, the show. Right. So uh, give the show, like it's a simple cartoon TV show, like a chance and uh, let me know what you, what you think. Will do. Nice. Daniel, uh, any re- Oh, go ahead. Oh, do you want me to go or do you want, do I, you I, want to go? I, I, I can go. So, so my recommendation yeah. was actually going to be to watch upload on Amazon prime. Um, oh. so I, I just started it with, with Sarah and, and it ties back into this episode nicely because it is, uh, uh, written by basically the, the, the creators of the office and parts and recreation. So it's this really, uh, the, the premise, uh, is a little bit weird. Um, it's more of a suit, very pseudo sci-fi type show. And so, and, it, but it's kind of like a, I'd say like a dramedy is probably the best categorization categorization, but the premise is basically like this guy, uh, in in the future, humans are able to upload themselves into this virtual afterlife. So you are able to like essentially create heaven. So it basically takes like pulls all your memories and and your personalities and like uploads your digit your digital self into this afterlife. And this young guy uh, dies and is uploaded into it. And so the show kind of goes along with uh, kind of all the shenanigans he gets into. Uh, I thought it would be very similar to like The Good Place, but it's not at all hmm. I mean, yeah I, i've i've only watched the first few episodes but i'm very intrigued and will continue watching and it's only they're only 10 episodes out so far um and it just came out yeah that's on my list to watch and then i will continue kind of the similar uh tv shows um have you guys watched mindy kaling's new netflix show never have i ever i have not i it, have not either it, okay the one that, it's, that has like that indian girl as the lead character in high school or, yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's kind of like a teen, as uh, as we keep combining uh, phrases. It's a teen dramedy. So there are parts that are like really funny in it, and there it's like definitely kind of like a high school teen drama. But it's I found it to be like really fun. I mean, Katie and I just watched it in an, over a weekend. And, you know, it wasn't. I don't know how to describe it. It was a lot of fun. There are a lot of good jokes in it, but it's also. Um, I'm interested to see more because Mindy Kaling is the writer and the creator for it. Nice. So she uh, did a really good job with it. And I 
found it to be uh, a surprisingly good show that I surprisingly enjoyed quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I would suggest uh, the Netflix show, Never Have I Ever. All righty, guys. Well, uh, Harsh, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an absolute yeah. pleasure. Uh, excellent insights. And I think, uh, you know, you, you, you brought a, a lot of wonderful perspective. And it's a wonderful uh, departure from just Daniel and I yakking to each other back and forth. <laughs> Not that everyone doesn't love that. Yeah, all, exactly. All, all the time. But yeah, Harsh. Yeah, thank you, thank you so on. much. Hey, this was yeah, cool. this was great. Thanks, guys. So we, uh, uh, if, uh, 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 to all our uh, billions of uh, fans, yes. <laughs> if you would like to, please interact with us on the social medias. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like, uh, our Twitter handle is Passion Fruit P Two or Passion Fruits Podcast. Uh, where you can find us on Instagram at. Passion Fruits Podcast. You can send us a good old fashioned email, electronic mail <laughs> at, at passionfruitspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Book of Faces, and Daniel has a blog that, that we that we pitch. <laughs> I don't have a blog. It's our blog, Adam. Oh, you yeah. just don't run anything for it. <laughs> I have the password and everything in there <laughs> in our informational sheet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we do have a blog. It is passionfruits.home or passionfruitspodcast.home.blog. I'm trying to post more shit on there. So check it out. Uh, well, thank you again, Harsh. And thank you, Adam. And thank you guys for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>